So it's really good to see y'all. Um, I just want to quickly review with you what we've been talking over in, uh, in this in this class at, at Chatham Transition. Um, we've been studying the life of Christ, and the way that we've been studying the life of Christ is through what is known as a harmony of the Gospels, right? A harmony of the Gospels. And what do we mean when we could say the Gospels? Does anybody remember what the word gospel means? Good news. Good news. Hey, I got some good news for you guys, right? There's sandwiches on the table. Now, <laughs> it's better news than that because the news that God offers us is eternal good news. And so the entirety of the Bible is good news. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all good news. Uh, but the gospel itself, the promise of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, uh, and uh, ascension into heaven and the fact that he is sitting on the throne right now ruling and reigning is definitely good news, especially when you watch the news on the television, when right. you look at the world around Get us depressed. now. So um, I, I had a lady ask me just the other night something about that, and I, my advice to her was stop looking in the mirror right. and look up, right? Stop looking in the mirror and look up. As long as we're focusing on our circumstances and who we are, um, there's a lot of uh, things that can let us down in those things. But when we look to Christ and, and the fact that he is ruling and reigning, uh, we have hope. And so the Gospels, um, what were the four books uh, that we learned the Gospels were uh, taught to us in? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Good. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's also a little bit in the first two chapters of Acts um, that tells about Christ's ascension. So... Um, we're harmonizing those books, which means that we're going through and, and we're taking uh, the stories are told from different people's perspectives. <clears throat> and what we're doing is we're taking all of those perspectives and putting them together like one uh, big jigsaw puzzle and, and putting it all together so that we can get a good, clear picture of who um, Jesus, our Savior, is. And so um, we started last week on a very important topic. And the topic we started on was the topic of parables all right so we we had seen uh jesus at the sermon on the mount we it took us about six months to go through the sermon on the mount after we got through that um jesus went out and began to to teach uh in nazareth and jerusalem to go around and teach and what were the two reactions that we got to the proclamation of the gospel who remembers what those two reactions were there was two different types of reactions when the gospel was proclaimed yeah okay when when the God, when when the pastor preaches at church on Sunday, what are the two reactions that that he'll get from the proclamation of that word? Understanding and not understanding. Good, yeah, good. So it would be either knowledge or ignorance, or it would be acceptance or rejection of the message. And and so when we get into the parables, right, the parables. So after Jesus went out and started preaching, we, we actually saw that. We saw that people were coming, receiving him, hearing about him, receiving him, believing him, and coming to him. But then there was another group of people that were following around, and they were simply trying to find him saying something that they could hold him accountable for, trying to catch him in his words. Um, so there were people that believed him. And there were also people that rejected him. And that, that's been the same thing all through the history. As you read through the Bible, um, Jesus actually said at one time, he said, um, you have I've sent prophets to you and you've killed prophets from, from Abel to, to uh, Zechariah. Right? You, you've killed my prophets. They've come to you to tell you the truth. And what was your reaction to them? You, you killed them. 
And so there's always been that rejection of the gospel of Christ. And so what he's doing now, um, he is he is proclaiming the kingdom, right? And we've talked about that in the past. Lori, what is a kingdom? What is the kingdom? The realm of God. Good. The realm of the king, right? The king's domain. And so Jesus is proclaiming that kingdom. And one of the things that he's doing now, and we just started on this last week, was Jesus started teaching in parables. Now, does anybody remember? I know it's been two weeks ago, but does anybody remember what a parable is? Do y'all remember the definition we used for a parable? What is a, story, it? it is a story. Very good. But yeah. One that teaches. And it's a story that it, it has a, a a a lesson involved. Yep. It's it's intended to teach us. Um, we used the definition last time we were together that Jesus's parables are earthly stories with what heavenly meanings. All right. So Jesus's parables are earthly stories, but they have heavenly implications to them. Um, and why is that? Why did Jesus use earthly stories to help us to understand heavenly things? Why did he use the parables? Because he wants us to be able to understand them. Good, good. He was speaking to us in terms that we could relate to, right? He talks about a lot about money. That's something we can relate to. We all know what it feels like to be broke or in need, right? We, or to have a little change in our pocket. We all know what that feels like. Um, he talks about sheeps and goats, and, and that's something maybe we've gotten a little away from. Um, we're not as much an agrarian society as they were back then, but we still understand animals, right? People love animals. Uh, so he speaks in animals. He speaks about trees and fruits and roots and seeds. And so he talks about earthly things. And just like Don said, the purpose is to help us to understand. If Jesus were come to and to speak to us in a heavenly language and not speak to us in English, we wouldn't understand what he was saying. You see? And so he 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 brings things down to a level that we can understand. And one of the realities about that is that is actually a very good uh, description of who Jesus is. The Bible said the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, this is John 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Here in a couple weeks, it'll be Christmas time, and we're going to sing that song. Y'all remember, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. And there's a line in there that says this, Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come let us adore him. Right? So when we talk about the word, when God gives us his word, what has he given us? A promise. A promise. That's exactly right. God has given us a promise. And so you could really sing that line like this. The promise of God became a man to save us. If we wanted to sing it that way, it would be okay. Because Jesus is the promise. The son is the promise of the father. And so what did he do? He clothed God, our creator, clothed himself in humanity and walked among us. Why did he have to clothe himself in humanity? Because the Bible tells us that no man has seen God and lived. So what did he have to do? He had to veil his glory in human flesh. He humbled himself and became a man. He clothed himself in humanity and he walked among us. 
And what did he tell? Uh, what did he tell Thomas, doubting Thomas? He said, "If you have seen me, you've seen the Father." You see, that's what he told Thomas. Thomas says, "Show us, the, show us the Father." And Jesus said, "If you have seen me, you've seen the Father." So what does that mean? Jesus clothed himself in humanity. And did he say that to Thomas after he came back? Yeah. Yeah, after Thomas so, had doubted. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, there you yeah. go. And so, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he, so he said, um, he clothed himself in humanity and walked among us. And the purpose was so that we could relate to God. Okay. And so that he could relate to us. Jesus is known as the mediator. Yeah, he knows everything. Physical right. feelings, yeah. hunger, he yeah. knows all of He's that. He's the mediator between God and man. You see, you and I are both physical and spiritual beings. You have a physical body and a spiritual body. Angels are completely spiritual, right? Yeah. They don't have a physical body. And God is completely spiritual. He does not have a physical body. So what did Jesus do? He came to mediate between us and the Father so that we could grasp him, so that we could know him, so that we could... Um, come to know him and be saved by him and so when jesus came and walked among us it was literally like he is a he literally is a living parable he's a living teaching of the father and who he is and so when jesus uses these parables don said uh it's he gave us these parables so that we could understand right well what we found out last week together and this is kind of strange uh, but it's accurate. Jesus said, let's go back and look together in um, in that Matthew passage. And look at um, Jesus explaining the parable of the wheat and the tares. Look with me in Matthew chapter 13. Um, and let's look at verse 10 uh, and through 17. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10 through 17. Um, It said his disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered and said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. All right? So think about that. He says, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And and granting us that knowledge to be able to understand is a gift. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's the point he's trying to make here. And he uses the word mystery. And when we think of mysteries, we think of like Scooby-Doo and, (laughs) and, you know, solving who it is that's creeping around with the mask on kind of. Or Sherlock Holmes or Perry Mason. When we think of mysteries, those are the types of things we think about. But in the New Testament, when the Bible uses the word mystery... It's talking about something that in the past was not known, but now it has been revealed. All right? And so he says, to them it has been given, uh, uh, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So what has happened? Their eyes have been opened. They get to see it. But to them, the non-believers, right? It has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him. Right? Think about that. We live in a world now where there's a lot of people that have lots of material possessions, don't they? Yeah. Right? And they're depending on those material possessions for their happiness and their hope. But the harder they clutch to those material things, the quicker they fade from them. 
the hard, the more they put their trust in those material things, what happens? The the more they realize they don't have anything to trust in, and yet uh, the people who have Christ have everything. Because material things are nothing. Yeah, and so he says to those who uh, have, they'll get more, and to those who do not have, even what they don't have will be taken away. And 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 you know. That actually doesn't make a whole lot of sense in in our economic world we live in because we got a lot of people today that think that you should take all the money from the rich people and do what? Give it to the poor. Just give all your money to the poor folks, right? And then they'll have too. Well, everybody will have. But the reality is these material things are not there to last. And those material things are not there to give you your purpose and your meaning and so your, your right. Even your stability. Right. And also, talking about spiritual. Things. Yes, he, yes, he is. The more spirit you have, the more you will have. That's exactly right. And so, the child of God, the citizen of the kingdom of heaven, if you will, right? The citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's what Paul says. We are now citizens of the, of the heavenly kingdom. And so, as citizens of the heavenly kingdom. We continue to get more and more and more because the Holy Spirit continues to open our eyes to the beauty of who Christ is, continues to open our eyes to the wisdom and the knowledge of of God's promise to us. And the more we grow, the more we have. And yet there's people in the world that are blinded by unbelief and they continue to get hardened more and more and they get less and less. You see? And so he says, Therefore I speak to them in parables... Because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not understand. Right? So it's very important to see that. What he's saying is he speaks in these parables, and you would think that the parable would bring light to people, and it does, but it only brings light to those who already have the light. So... When the gospel, and, and it's, that's very similar to the way that the gospel message works. When the gospel is proclaimed to the unbeliever and to those of a hardened heart, whoever it is proclaiming the gospel sounds like a wackadoo to them. It don't make any sense to them at all. Right? You sound like a radical or a fanatic or a cult or you, you're, you're crazy. But to those in whom the Holy Spirit is at work, the very method that the Holy Spirit uses to to enlighten us and give us wisdom and knowledge is the Word of God. So to those who the Holy Spirit is at work in, what happens when the gospel message is proclaimed? Our eyes are open to it and we appreciate it and we embrace it. Okay? So a lot of people would think that the parables were given by Jesus as a way to help everybody understand. But in reality, these parables are actually uh, a tool used by the Holy Spirit to either open the eyes of the believing or to shut the eyes of the non-believers. To melt the heart of the believer and to harden the heart of the Christ rejecter, of the one not believing in him. So So we can see that. And then Jesus does what he always does in verse 14. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah has been fulfilled. So what is he saying here? He's going back to Isaiah the prophet, one of the Old Testament prophets. And he's saying, this is what Isaiah said was going to happen. And look what it says. You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. 
for the hearts of this people have become dull. With their eyes they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear. And what does that mean? That means that in the Old Testament, the, the prophets in the Old Testament didn't have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John to turn to, did they? No. The, the Messiah had not even been revealed yet. So they knew he was coming, and they knew that it was a promise to come, but it, their eyes had not been opened to that reality yet. They knew it was coming, and they believed in that promise, and yet the people who were standing there and Jesus was talking to the very promise of God was standing before them and speaking to them in human language, you see? And that's amazing to think about. And so what did he say? He said to the unbelievers, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. That they keep seeing, but they don't perceive. They keep hearing, but they do not understand. I want to share with you, if you will, Again, talking about the parables and, and, and the reactions to these parables. If you will, real quickly, turn with me over to the book of John, chapter 9. And let's look at something in John, chapter 9. One of my, uh, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And John, chapter 9, and we'll start in verse 1. And it said, He passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who had sinned that this man or his parents that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is verse 4 of chapter 9. We must work the works of him who sent me. As long as it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. Now watch what he says in verse 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay? So what is he saying? I am the light. There, this world is full of darkness. John chapter 1 tells us that, um, that he, came, uh, he came in the... Uh, uh, was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning. All things were made through him. Without anything was not anything made. Uh, in him was the light of life. And that light shined in the darkness. And the darkness could not overcome it, is what it says. The light, the darkness could not overtake it. So what is Jesus doing? He's the light of the world. So what is he doing? He's shining for all of the world to see. In the same way that the sun shines over the whole face of the surface of the earth, Jesus is that light that is shining. And with what happens next is, and I'm, I'm not going to go into a lot of details here because this isn't our lesson today, but basically he gets some dirt off the ground and he spits on the dirt and makes some clay and rubs it on the guy's eyes and tells the guy, to go and wash his face in a pool and when he comes back he can see now what are the indications of that well Jesus is the word Jesus is the creator and what he's showing is in the same way that he created Adam out of the dust he can give a man new eyes out of the dirt if he wants to because he is the creator but after that this man had been blind for 40 years. He had been a beggar all of his life. And now he goes up to the temple and he can see. And all of the people around there are like, hey, wasn't that that guy that used to be around here begging all the time? And they said, well, it looks like him, but it can't be him. Why? Because he can see now. And so one of the implications of that is when Jesus is at work in a person's life, there is a noticeable what? Different. Change. You see? If you say you have Jesus and you live the next 30 years of your life with no change or no conformity to his image, then you need to question what Jesus you have. 
when Jesus is truly at work in a person's life, their life is going to be conformed to, to him. And so what's so funny is he can see and he's running around telling everybody he can see. But then Jesus uh, or then the man is confronted by the Pharisees who are the religious uppity-ups. They're the, the, the PhDs and the uh, MDs of, of theology and philosophy. And they, they're the very smart men. And they look at this guy and they can't figure out how he's got his sight. And they won't believe, they will not believe that Jesus has given this man sight. And so I want you to look at the last couple of verses of it. After a big argument, they bring his family in. His mom and his dad say, yep, this is our son. And yes, he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. And the reason they're saying that is because if they admit that Jesus is the one that gave him sight, they're going to get kicked out of the church, out of the synagogue. They're going to get kicked out and, and basically uh, ostracized from the community. And so they don't want to lose their status in their culture. And so they say, we just don't know. And so all of these people will not believe, will not give Jesus credit for what he's done, except for who? Except for the man who he has opened his eyes. And then I want you to look um, in uh, verse uh, 31, uh, or verse 30. The man answered and said to them, to the religious non-believers, Well, here's an amazing thing that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a God-fearer and does his will, he hears them. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone has opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were from were not from God, he could not do anything. And they answered him and said, you were born in sin, and now are you going to teach us? So they continue to reject him. And then watch what Jesus says to them in verse 38, uh, 39. Jesus said, all right, for judgment... I came into this world so that those who do not see may see. So a part of his judgment is what? Those that can't see will be able to see, and those who see will become, will become blind. blind. So what does God like to do? It allows some to see, and it blinds others. Right? Just the, like the sun does. Huh? Just, like just the sun exactly does. like the sun. That's exactly right. And and I've heard it said before that, you know, the sun can melt butter, but it can make clay turn to stone. You know, and so it's the same, it's the same effect on the human heart, right? Oh, when God's word is preached, it will either melt your heart or harden it. So what did Jesus say he come to do? He came to judge the world. Well, at this point, he had, it, he's coming back to judge the world. But here's the judgment now that's taking place now. That the truth is being proclaimed, that the light is shining, that the voice of God is screaming out all over the earth. And what's happening? Some people are receiving these, it and believing yeah, these it. These Pharisees are being extremely hard or, or hardened. Well, it, yep. But I mean, they're so not nice. <laughs> but, exactly. Exactly what I was thinking of. And so look, he says, <laughs> the Pharisees who heard him said, we are not blind too, are we? Yeah, my Bible says, we are also blind. Like Jesus I, said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. Yeah. But now that you say you see, your sin remains. Your guilt remains is what mine is. Yeah, mine is too. Okay, yeah. so think about that. And and I can I can speak from it. I'm, I'm just telling you from personal experience. Pastors, <clears throat> pastors, do not like to be corrected. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience. 
when somebody comes in and calls me out on something that I've said, if it's, it, now, if, if you show me in the scriptures that it's wrong, I will admit that I'm wrong and I will repent of what I've said. If, if I, you know, and I have to pray all the time, God help me to teach things that are true and not things that are, that are not of your word. But the point being is, preachers are very, we, we have a tendency to get up on a high horse and we don't like people to, to bring us down. And you'll notice another thing about preachers too. Um, if long as it's their idea, then they'll go with it. But when other people bring bring something to the table, it's like, well, that's not quite such a good idea. And so there's there's a, a tendency in our fallen human nature to trust in ourselves and our own knowledge and what we know and not be willing to be corrected. Yeah. Our pastor was making an announcement before a service one time, and he said something wasn't correct. It wasn't theologically incorrect. Right. It was something about when something happened. And his wife corrected him. He said, don't you know, Emily, you're supposed to correct me at home? He was on the pulpit? No, he was, this was in the evening service. Oh, okay. He was down in the floor. He was just talking about something that happened five years ago. No, that was oh. eight years ago, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's and it's real. It's a part of our fallen nature. But these guys, these Pharisees, were the orthodox religious people. They were the right-wing, hardcore, conservative crowd. But their problem was is that their religion was an external religion. It wasn't internal. It wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't a true walk with God. It was a trusting in self-righteousness, self-will, self-sufficiency. And Jesus was coming and rebuking that through his words and what he was teaching, and it offended them. But he wasn't coming here to say, hey, be liberal, neither. No, 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 no. Not not the middle ground, the the path of righteousness. The path of righteousness is the only path. (laughs) But the the Pharisees were trying to live by their own laws, and they even after the ten laws that Moses gave them, they had, what, 400 and something? 600 and something laws. Tradi- they, they use they use their man. traditions and their own uh, their own rules to to, make to their negate own Moses' laws, and so Jesus was condemning for that. And so what do they they say? We're not blind too, are they? See, they wanted to be told they knew it. Yeah. And what did he say? No, if you say you can see, you can see, but you're going to be held guilty for what you see. And the reality was they were rejecting him. They 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 knew. That he was fulfilling their Old Testament prophecy. Yeah, they had to know. They knew it. They had to. And what, is the, what did Paul tell us in Romans? They were willfully suppressing that truth to the point of nailing him to a cross. That's how willfully they were suppressing that truth. They, they wanted to kill him. And so, again, what is the point I'm trying to make with this? That blind man, because the promise of God reached his heart and his mind through the power of the Holy Spirit, not only was he physically able to see again but the first person he saw was jesus i I think that's really outstanding he had spent 40 years of his life and had never seen his mother and father's Mm -hmm. face but the first face he sees is is, you know jesus has come to heal him that's a beautiful thing to think about and and so um so here's the point jesus had told them what i'm the light of the world and what was happening in this story some people were coming to see and some people were being hardened and blinded more And that's exactly what the parables do. The parables stir the hearts of those who are seeking. And it hardens the heart of those who are rejecting. So let's go back now and we'll try to go through a couple of these parables really quickly. Matthew chapter 13. Um, We did go through the main parable. The one he said that this was the key to all of the other parables. 
y'all remember he said that about, remember the parable of the four souls that we did last time we were together? The rocky soil, the hardened yeah. soil, the thorny soil, and the fertile soil, remember? And what did we learn that the soils represented? The human heart, right? And what did we learn that the seeds represented? Who remembers what the seeds were? The sower sows the what? The word. the word that's exactly right so the promise of god goes out and it gets cast onto all kind of hearts doesn't it and depending on what type of heart you have will uh result in fruition right and if it's fertile soil it's going to multiply some 10 some 30 Large. some 60 some 100 fold and and so jesus said that this parable was the key to understanding all of the parables well what does he mean by that well you believe this you're going to believe all of them good well yeah, and not only that, but the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Right? That's, the reality is, is that if your heart has been touched by God, if, you, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, if He lives in you, then what kind of soil are you going to have? Fertile soil, and it's going to produce. It's going to, it's going to multiply. And, and not only that, but... The point is, is that you, unless your heart is in the right place, you won't understand any of these parables, right? What's going to happen? Uh, the word's going to go out, and it's going to land on the wrong kind of soil, and the devil's going to come steal it, or the cares of this world are going to choke it out, uh, right? The riches and the cares of this world are going to choke it out, or when you come under persecution, you're going to fade away. And so, uh, let's look at a couple more of these parables. Um, we finished that one up, so, and, and so let's look at verse... 24 all right jesus presented another parable to them this is matthew 13 verse 24 jesus presented another parable to them saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field but while men were sleeping while his men were sleeping his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and then went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you are gathering up the tares, you will uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest, and the time of the harvest I will say to the reaper, first gather up the tares and bind them into bundles and burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. It's an amazing story, right? So what is he saying? He's talking about this parable, about, and he said that this parable uh, can be compared, that this story is a comparable comparison to what? The kingdom of heaven. Okay, now what is another word for the kingdom of heaven that we've learned before? The kingdom of what? God. The kingdom of God. They're 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 analogous. They mean the same thing. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. Um, there are some certain religious uh, denominations that think that there are actually two separate things. That there's a kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of God is everything yeah, that, that yeah, He has dominion, heaven. that He has dominion over, and and so He says. So what He's going to do is He's going to tell the story and say, "This is the way the kingdom of heaven works. This is the way it works." Uh, it says, 
The man came and sowed good seed in the field. All right, so that kind of goes back to the last parable we just learned, right? The sower does what? Sows the word. So how does the kingdom of heaven work? A man goes out and sows seeds everywhere. It says, um, good seed in his field. So what kind of seeds are these? Good seeds. So if you sow good seeds, what kind of uh, tree is going to grow up? Good tree. Good tree. And what kind of fruit will you have? Good fruit. fruit. Remember, Matthew said, we learned that a long time ago. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So he sows these good seeds, and where are the seeds going to land? On the soil. Right. And what, what is the soil? The human heart, right? The human heart. So it goes out and it lands. And it said, but while his men were sleeping, so uh, while they were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and then went away. Now, what is the difference in tares and wheat? Well, a tear looks just like wheat. All right. I'm, I'm not going to use wheat because none of us grew Did any of y'all grow up in Kansas? Or, did you grow up in the wheat fields? Okay. No, but I grew up in Kansas. Okay. But so I know what pe- wheat, wheat fields, fields are. All right, so I, I'm, uh, I'm going to use um, something that we can understand a little better, but it's the same concept. I'm going to uh, use snap beans. How many of y'all feel shuck snap beans, all right? Or butter beans, okay? So what happens when you shuck a butter bean? You have to sit around with your grandma and watch soap operas all day, and you sit with a fan <laughs> on. Y'all remember doing that you when you were kids? Grandma. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a horrible time when you had to. Because it, it hurt your fingers. After doing it for hours, it hurt. But but you bust open the the hole, right? And what comes out of it? The, the beans. And I just learned this this week. I've been working in produce for two years now. I just learned that a lima bean and a butter bean are actually the same thing. Did you know that? Yeah, they're just... Yeah, it's just Yankees call, Yankees call them lima beans and we call them butter beans. But it's the same. Oh, it's the same bean. Not true. Yep, it's the same. The butter beans are just bigger. That's all. Nope, same, it's the same exact. It's the same thing, but our butter beans were bigger. And all right. She's a Yankee. She's a Yankee. Her, her opinion don't count here. She, no, she, her she, opinion. Yeah. You don't speak the same language, Lord. Yeah. I do. So, you you shell peas, and when you open it up, you take the the peas out of the hole and put them in, and then you throw the holes in the in the paper sack, right? And you sit there and you do that all day. Um, and what happens sometimes? You you open it up and there's no peas in it. It's just an empty hole. Okay. Um, another good example of that one that really aggravates me a lot is uh, peanuts, right? <laughs> When you get a, sometimes you get a big old peanut and oh, it looks like it's going to be pecans. just all fat. Right? No, it's a pecan, but we're not going there. This <laughs> okay. Is, this is theology. <laughs> no, we're not going to discuss grammar today. We're going to stand theology. So even sometimes you get a peanut and you open it up and there's like three little things that ain't even worth tasting. They're sour, nasty, nasty stale. Yeah. Right. And so imagine the frustration of going all day and peeling those and everyone you open doesn't have anything and there's no fruit in it. Okay, so a tear is it looks just like wheat. It it it, it looks just like wheat, but there's no f- fruit in it. There's no seed in it. Okay? And so what happens? You go out in the field, you see all of this stuff growing up, you got look at all the weed I got and in reality, half of it's tares. And so it's, and and so, what is Jesus doing when he talks about wheat and tares? Wheat would be the good fruit. Wheat would be produced from good seed. The tares 
would be produced from a bad seed. Because who is the enemy that comes in and plants false seed? The devil. The devil. That's exactly right. I was reading this in my study Bible. Do you mind? No, I do not mind. Lori's got a study Bible point for us. I always do. (laughs) Let me make sure I get the right part. Parable of the weed, and that was... Okay. Uh, A type of weed that can hardly be distinguished, this is about the tares you're talking about, from wheat until the head matures, it's agriculture setting and sowing damn now in someone Darnell. else's wheat field. It was the way for enemies to destroy someone's livelihood catastrophically. It pictures Satan's effort to deceive the church by mingling his children with God's. In some cases, making it impossible for believers to discern the truth from the false. The parables is explained. Okay. So that's pretty scary. Yeah. Well, what, so what is the enemy? The enemy is the deceiver. And what did Jesus? He, what did Jesus say about the devil? Your father is a murderer and a liar. And he warned And us he about has that. been from the beginning. And so, and not only that, but the devil is also an aper. A p e r. That means a copycat. He likes to do things that look similar to what God does. Okay. So the devil has his preachers. The devil has his. Uh, singers, the devil has his. Yeah, they're uh, on MSNBC. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, we're going to stay away from grammar and politics. That's divisive enough, okay? So, um, so, so think about, I mean, there's obvious things. So think about uh, in downtown Savannah on a Saturday night, okay? You have a group of people that all gather together that believe the same thing, right? They, they all have the same uh, cultural uh, bond, and they get together and they drink and they dance and they listen to music. They sing together. Uh, they they uh, fellowship, if you will, right? Okay. Uh, and so it's almost like they have their own church. It's like they go down to the nightclubs and they, uh-huh. they they get together and they worship the God of their their understanding. And who is usually the God of their understanding? Alcohol. Well, it could be it could be alcohol, it could be sure. drugs, it could be sex or anything like that. But the reality is, what letter does idol start with? Ah, uh, uh, it's usually a worship of self indulgence, self righteousness. Right. Okay. okay? All right. So they have they hold church every Saturday night downtown. It's just the synagogue of Satan. It's 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 not a true church. Now that's an obvious revelation of what Jesus is saying here when it comes to tares. But um, also in our churches there are people that walk the walk and talk the talk. And there are people that live in, in church views that are there every Sunday faithfully and check all the boxes and, and, and speak the right language and tithe when it's time to tithe. And, and you know they do all of these things but their hearts are far from God. That's whitewashed tombs, right? Right, a whitewashed tomb, kind of like the Pharisees. That's exactly right. And so what is the point that Jesus is trying to make? On the outside, they look fruitful. But when you open them up, it's just a dead hole. There's nothing in there. Empty. Yeah. And that's the point he's making here. And people talk about that a lot. I mean, I hear that a lot about the people doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they look all great from the outside, but inside... We should talk more about the folks that are coming to church, doing everything they're supposed to do. They look right, but they are right. And that doesn't come up enough. 
Right. Well, because the reality is if you're walking with Christ, you're, you're drawing attention to him and not yourself. Yeah, that's true. You should be. That's true. Uh, but but the negative message of, of hypocrites being in the church is is always being it's talked It's got to be about. preached, though. It has to be preached. Yeah, that's the hospital for sinners. Yeah. Well, that's true. Jesus, that's what Pastor Parrish yeah. told me. Oh, we accept sinners here. <laughs> yeah. Jesus that. preached way Same more. Jesus preached way more about hell than he did yeah. about heaven. Jesus preached a lot more condemning the hypocrites and condemning the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees than he did going around and giving people big cosmic hugs and saying you're going to be okay. Like he proclaimed the gospel and part of the proclamation of the gospel, the powerful thing in the gospel message is the law itself. I feel like I got that cosmic hug already. Yeah, good. I I'm glad. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> now, so what is the point he's making? He says they were asleep. So what does that mean? They were they were unaware. They were they were out cold. They were taking a nap or whatever. And so um, it's very easy for us to sleep in church, isn't it? Now you might keep your eyes open, but how many times do you pull your phone out and look at your messages while the preacher's preaching, right? Or how many times do you sit there and you think about what you're gonna be having for lunch? Look at that person over there. Yeah, right. How many times you say, "Oh, look, uh, their old brother so and so, he's got a new girlfriend now." Let me let me see what's going on over there. And you know, and so there's. There's all kinds of ways that we can sleep in church, isn't there? Yeah. Right? We can we can be walking zombies. We can just walk through life. Our mind just, wanders. Just going through motions. So they were asleep, and what happened? The enemy came and sowed these tares among the wheat and went away. Um, and so what did Lori's Bible study note tell us? That the enemies would actually come in and do this to a person's field to destroy their crop and yeah. destroy their livelihood. And right? And what is another name for the devil? The destroyer. And so what is he doing? He's coming and he's trying to destroy the body of Christ. Now, he tried it on the cross and it didn't work. And it's not going to work now because what has Jesus promised us? That the gates of hell will not prevail against and the gospel and, and the kingdom of God. And so that that's actually a picture of hell being there and us breaking down the walls of hell and, and charging it. Huh? Your mask is upside down. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay. And that's like sleeping in church, Lori. Yeah, yeah. I can't not help paying it. attention to his mouth. I know. Well, I am, but so, sorry. So... The point being is is that the kingdom of God is going to stand, and the kingdom of God is offensive. It's like it's taking out the kingdom of Satan. But the devil is trying to do what he can by by infiltrating and putting uh, his people in among our efforts. He's trying to block all those other people, too, from getting the sure, understanding no doubt. of Christ. That there's no doubt but about that. Christ will not lose, not even one. So when the weeds sprouted and bore again, then the tares became evident also. So what happens? The weeds sprout, and then you start realizing, uh-oh, I got tares in the field. All right? And and actually, um, a lot of times you'll see that happen. Um, I can't tell you the number of times that I've been a part of a church that when they were really zealous about going out and, and evangelizing, um, when they were really focused on missions, when they were really um, helping the community, when they were when they were truly doing the work of the God, the kingdom of God here on earth, when they were truly doing that, that it was at those times that the terror, the the false people in the church raised up and showed themselves. You know, causing division in the church, causing arguments, uh, causing gossip and things like this nature. You see, and so what happens? The gospel, the the wheat is is growing out and and starting to be fruitful, and then all of a sudden you realize 
There's a dud there. That's that. And, and Jesus told us that in the the parable of the the tree. Remember what he said? By their fruits you shall know them. And so what's happened? No fruit. Okay. So he says this. He said to them, uh, the slave of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, uh, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. And the slave said, do you want us to go up and gather them up? So do you want us to go and get them out of here? Uproot them, pull them out. And what did he say? He said, no. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Right? He said, allow both of them to grow together until the harvest. And then at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather up the tares and bind them in the bundles and then burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. So um, we have to remember something about this parable. Um, we've been using all through this, this class today. We're about to wind down here. All through this class today, we have been using the example of the sower sowing the word, being the preacher in our church, and the, the seeds going out to all of the church and then people growing up in the church that aren't real believers. But the reality is this is talking about the kingdom of heaven and its effect where? In the world at large. So it's not just about the church. It's talking about how the church should be the man who is going out and sowing the good seeds. And what's going to happen? So through the efforts of people preaching the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit, through us fulfilling the mandate that Christ has commanded us through the Great Commission and us going out and sowing those seeds, what's going to happen? There's going to be good seed. There's going to be people saved and grow up. And then there's going to be the false crowd that comes too. And so it's not up to me and you to go around and start trying to pull up the fake believers. Right? That's not our job. Because by doing that, you're implying that you can see the hearts and understand. Right. You, like you're, you're like playing, you're, yeah. you're, you're playing judge. Too. You're being right. the judge. And what will happen is right. you'll damage the wheat in doing that. So what did he say? He said, let me be the judge. So look what he says, and then we'll end the class. He says, said, no, while you're gathering up the tares, you will uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers. Now, who would the reapers be in the harvest? Anybody know? The angels. The angels. That's exactly right. And it says, um, gather up the tares first and bind them in the bundles and burn them up. So what happens to the, the false professors? The, to Is the, that what's going to happen? They're going to come get all the false professors and all the yep, sinners and, yep, and the yep, unbelievers yep, and throw them into yep. hell? At, at the judgment. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. That's exactly right. And so it's not up to me and you to do that. That's, that's God's word. That's God's judgment. And so he says, um, bind them in the bundles and burn them up. So what's going to happen to the false professors, to the ones that are not believers? They're going to be gathered together and cast into hell. Right? So, um, again, just a little more time today. We, we do have about one more. Le- we're going to have to do one more lesson through these parables. And this is not the only place in the Gospels that Jesus uses parabolic teachings. This is just one of the main parts. That, that, he, that I mean, he goes through a lot of them here. There's all through Scripture, there's parabolic teaching. Um, and so it is a very effective way for us as children of God to understand the mysteries of the kingdom, if you will. So I hope that that's helped you to understand 
I think a couple of the main points that we need to make sure we get. I got about 45 seconds left. Main things we need to get is, is number one, those parables will open the eyes of the believer, but it's going to shut the eyes of the unbeliever. Of the Christ rejecter, it's going to turn them off. And it's the same way that the Word of God works too. All right. When 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 God is when God is at work in a man's heart, when people hear the Word, uh, they they're drawn to it. Mm-hmm. And when God is not at work, they they're repelled by it and they turn away from it. Uh, and so I hope that this lesson is is uh, you'll be able to apply some of these things to your life and your understanding. Uh, and and I hope that it makes you thankful that we have a God. Uh, that loved us enough to save us um, from this world. And uh, so next time we're together, we will go back. Um, I, if you want to cheat and read ahead for next week, um, we're going to try to we'll try to cover. Now we never cover all of it, but we're going to try to cover uh, Matthew 13 verses um, 31 uh, through. So just continue. Yeah, through the parables the uh, to 52 to okay. 52, which would um, be the actually the. Uh, yeah, almost the end of the chapter. 14, John the Baptist beheaded. No, we're, we'll do that. Um, no, we'll do we'll do chapter 14 later. So next time we're together, we're going to do uh, Matthew 13, verses 31 through 52, uh, Lord willing. I, don't, I doubt we'll get all the way through all that. But that's going to be our goal. Yeah. Angels, they serve in God's judgment. So, um, Steve, it was nice to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. And uh, Micah, it was really nice to meet you. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. And, uh, and, and y'all, make sure that you share his light with folks when you see him this week. Father, thank you for this time together. Um, thank you for the wonderful message of your word. Um, it is so good uh, to, to know your love and your grace and your mercy. And, and please help none of us in this room to ever take that for granted. Um, this is a dark, dark world that we live in, and uh, you've commanded us to go out and to be light and salt. And my prayer is that through our study of your word and through our growth together in conformity to your son, that we'll be able to do that. Help us to go out this week and be uh, a light and salt to a world that desperately needs you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.